So today we hear the words of the prophet Jeremiah to people who are in exile in Babylon, far from home, far from anything familiar, definitely not a place where they want to be. And this is God's word to them. Chapter 29, verse 1, and then 4 to 14. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Loving God who accompanies us wherever we go, be with us now as we encounter this word. Speak to us what we need to know. Strengthen us for the work you have for us. Quiet every voice and distraction within our hearts except for your own. And in and through this, your holy word, shape us into the people you dreamt of at creation. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So as we begin, it's really important to understand something about exile and the paradigm of exile in the story and how we might enter it a little bit differently today. So as you heard throughout that text, uh, the Lord is talking about, I have sent you here uh, because you have, you have done things that I have not been pleased about. So there is a paradigm of exile equals punishment. So where you are, have been exiled, all of this loss and grief and things that you have experienced, those have been because God made it so, because you did not do uh, what God wanted you to do. You do not live in a way that was loving and caring. That's a little complicated for us today. Uh, Even though many of us hold on to that theology, even unconsciously, um, that God 
is responsible for all of the bad things that happen to us uh, and that all of the good things that happen to us are kind of a happy fluke uh, or luck. Our theology has evolved a little bit since then, and I would hope that we can take a step back from the paradigm of punishment and more kind of understand exile as a place or a season that you're not particularly happy to be in. And that can mean all kinds of things, right? It could mean that you are a refugee, like our folks who are being helped by Hyas, and you would rather not be here, but you have to figure out a way to be here. You could be someone in a place that's experiencing a lot of war and terror, and you don't want to be there. And you have to find a way to exist in that place. And it can also be a season. You may be experiencing illness, or a loved one may be experiencing illness, and you would just rather not be in that season. It's not fun. It's not easy. You just don't want to be there. You can see or you remember a different time, the way things were closer to how they're supposed to be. And so when you are in exile, you are removed from your home, from the things that are familiar, from the things that are going the way they ought to go. And so in the face of that, if we can kind of broaden exile a little bit there, there's another piece here that we can kind of borrow from the Israelites. In the time of the Hebrew Scriptures, gods were understood to be tied to geography. So it was never, do you believe in God? Uh, it was, which God are you believing in? Is it the God of Babylon? Is it the God of where you grew up and you were born? Is it the God of Philadelphia or Pittsburgh? Those kinds of things. And because they were so tied to a place, when you removed yourself from that place, either by choice or by someone else's choice, not only have you lost the physical home that you loved and had memories in, not only have you lost your favorite route around town, you have lost, in a sense, your connection to the God that you worshipped in this time. And again, although we don't quite make a direct correlation to that in our lives today, there is a sense of when you are in a season or a place that you do not want to be. And not just like this is annoying, but like you really (laughs) do not want to be there. It is hard. It is full of grief and struggle. We may not intellectually understand God to be stuck some other place, but it can feel that way. We can feel that distance as if God has abandoned us too. So what do we do when we are in exile? The Israelites were anxious to return home. We are anxious to escape. It's not that we anticipate life to be easy all the time. We just want it to be like bearably hard, not unbearably hard, right? We're willing to put in the work on our relationships and our and our work and our communities. But when it just feels like there's one more thing after another, it's difficult, and we want to escape that. We just want some ease, some breathing room, some margin. And in this text in the middle, we hear God talking about other people who are lying to the Israelites, and what they were saying, that Jeremiah does not record here, was that, oh, this will be over in about five minutes, easy peasy, Lemon squeezy, as my son would say. And you'll be home 
before dinner time, and you'll be fine. And God was like, no, that's not how this is going to work. And so I'm telling you the truth, even though it's not something that you want to hear. And so God tells them a truth that they don't want to hear, which is, it's not going to happen anytime soon. You should settle in for the long haul. And what reinforces this to me is this image of building homes and planting gardens. God also says there's a time limit on here, there's kind of a generation, and then we'll figure this out. But this image of building homes and planting gardens really stuck out to me. Because I think sometimes when we, when we think about building homes, when we're building a new home, it's pretty exciting. We get to pick out all the finishes, uh, and think about what will happen in those rooms. We are on the end of a renovation in this building, so there was all this excitement over photos coming of like new carpets and new this and new that. And it's exciting because you can envision what's happening in that place. But the actual building of the thing is actually pretty messy and takes a really long time, as Beth knows very well, and is full of tedious details and uh, starts and stops it's it's pretty and sometimes it's satisfying but a lot of the times until you get kind of close to the end it cannot feel super satisfying and honestly the same it comes when you're planting a garden not when you're reaping from a garden not when you're harvesting from the garden but you're planting it right you are digging up dirt it's just dirt and seeds and keeping the weeds at bay you can envision those flowers and those vegetables tumbling out of that raised bed right but what's actually in front of you is a bunch of dirt and seeds it's not super fun it's not pretty it's not easy but I think there's something about that action that provides us with a helpful reframe if we are feeling like we are in exile. Because when we're in exile, we, we feel like we can't escape it. We feel pretty trapped. And we know in our heads everything is temporary, so this is temporary, and I don't know how long this is going to last, but eventually there will be some kind of shift. I've lived long enough to see that happen. But you still have this kind of compulsion to do something, either to try and control it and make it change faster. Uh, Definitely, I do that one a lot. (laughs) Or just something to kind of distract you from feeling so stuck. And the thing is, the things that we try to do often don't help us. They are like the lies of those folks talking to the Israelites. They are hacks that we pick up from Instagram and Pinterest that say, if you just do it this way, or if you just organize your pantry with these labels, and all of a sudden, things will be better. And I'm being glib. But there are a lot of things out there that tell us if you just make a little, little systemic shift, everything will feel a lot better. But if you've ever been in exile, if you've ever been in a season or in a place that is so far from home, that is so full of struggle, you know there is no way to hack yourself out of it. So 
what can we do? God gives us the plan of what to do. It's not really what we want to do, but God tells us what to do in this passage. Build homes, plant gardens, get married, build community among these people who are so different than you. Now, it's certainly not what they wanted to do, but it was what they needed to do. It reframes surviving as building and planting and investing. You know when you build something, you know when you plant something, it's going to take a while to see that fruit, to feel settled in that place. But if you're thinking about it as building and planting, it's less about spinning your wheels and more about, okay, we're just going very slowly in the direction of home and health and wholeness much in the same way as you tend to a garden and you just pull weeds for weeks and weeks and weeks before you see anything, there's still something happening there. There's still something happening beneath all of that. And so I think we can relate to the Israelites and their frustration with that. I think it's hard to hear build homes and gardens What do we have left to give? What energy do we have left to build or plant anything? When you've lost so many things, when it feels like you are kind of tumbling through an ocean of grief. But God knows what God is talking about. And I think when we shift our efforts away from striving for permanence or control and more toward focusing on the basics and the essentials and redefining those and narrowing those more and more and more, that those are small steps toward a kindness for your future self. That we channel all of that anxiety and grief into thinking of what we are doing, little as it may be, as something creative and not pointless. The quote in our bulletin today is from um, St. Julian of Norwich. And you all might know that my son's name is Julian, and that is partly why. Because that prayer has accompanied me through many, many seasons of exile and coming home. Even when it has been incredibly difficult to say it out loud. All shall be well, all manner of things shall be well, all shall be well. And then I chose that to be in contrast with the image on the front of your bulletin that I found recently. This felt so much like this scripture to me. It's an image of open hands. We've got kind of Constellation and stars in those hands. And the words on it say, When I cannot say all is well or all is known, help me say all is held so I never believe all is lost. And that speaks to me of this tension between we want to affirm all shall be well, all manner of things shall be well, all shall be well. On a macro sense, 
we are okay. God is with us, even in these seasons of utter hardship. And when we can't actually physically get those words past our lips, can we at least see and hope in the reality of all is held? That's what God is telling the Israelites in Babylon. You're not going to see what you want to see. It's not going to turn out the way that you want it to turn out. There's reasons for that, whether it's punishment or otherwise. We can debate that in a Bible study session another time. But God is saying, I am with you. I'm with you in this. I'm holding you in this. Build homes. Plant gardens. Build community with your neighbors. Even if it looks like very messy and it's taking forever and it's just a bunch of dirt and seeds. I am holding you in that. And I'm giving you the strength to see that differently, to see it as investing and caring and loving and not as pointless. And so this is the good news that we have today. That we were created and redeemed and we are sustained by a God who holds us no matter what season we're in, no matter how far from home we feel, no matter how long it is taking to shift. There is a God there among the seeds, among the building blocks, working with us, guiding our hands holding our hearts as we step into whatever comes next. What a gift. Amen.